Hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Renewing the Center podcast. This is Chris, and today we're going to be in Genesis 12. This is actually one of the most important chapters in the Old Testament. It's where Abraham, or Abram at the time, receives a promise from God. So I'm going to read in Genesis 12. I'm actually going to read two passages, uh, the first um, three verses, and then we're going to skip down to verse 10 and read a few more. And then we'll pray, and then we're just going to look at this idea of promise and what happens in the midst of promise, how things get complicated, which is for sure true as we think about our own lives. God makes promises, and then we experience turbulence, complication. Verse 1 in chapter 12 of Genesis, the call of Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Here it is, y'all. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Very important. In you all the families of the earth, not just Jews, all the families of the earth, including you, including me, will be blessed. This is the first seed of promise around Jesus and Jesus' saving work that would extend to all who would say yes to him. Skipping down to verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to reside there as an alien, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know well that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So he says, say, you are my sister, so that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared on your account. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. When the officials of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female slaves, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and be gone. And Pharaoh gave men, his men orders concerning him. And they set him on the way with his wife and all that he had. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I ask you to help us to see in Genesis 12 seeds of promise and uh, evidence of the reality of the complexity of life and how we sometimes make things more complicated. Lord, help us to hold your promise even as we seek to be faithful to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Genesis 12 picks up this story where God says to Abram, I want you to leave what you know. I want you to leave the people you know, the family you have, the land you know, and I want you to go. And in your going, I'm going to, I'm going to bless you. He actually says, those very, very important words in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That is the Jesus promise entering into the Bible. So for people who care about the, the big arc of Scripture, Genesis 12, verse 3b, is actually one of the most important passages or verses in the entire Bible because it's where we first see God say, through this lineage, I am going to rescue and bless all the families of the earth. We see Jesus come into our story just a few chapters into the Bible. But here's the reality. 
God promises a family, a future, more than a future. He promises that that blessing and deliverance would extend to the whole world through the seed of a man who has no children. And the problem here is that he's not only doesn't have kids, but he's getting older. Uh, he's not been fruitful. He does not have children. He and Sarai have not had children. And so they they struggle. They struggle to imagine how this promise could be true. How, how could God bring something good out of what feels like nothing? And y'all, if we're honest, we wonder the same thing. Sometimes we think, God, how are you going to do something good in this situation? How are you going to bring life and a future and fruit out of something that looks so barren? So Abram is told by God that something really powerful and big and fruitful will come from him. And yet things get worse. There's a famine in his land and they leave their land and they go as uh, aliens, as uh, travelers to Egypt, to a place that is not their own. Trouble and adversity come. Uh, and it's not just the famine. There's anxiety in, in him about how uh, he's going to um, fulfill God's promise when there is not like a clear pathway for fruit to be born in his life. They don't even have children to point to. And there's a famine in the land, and now they're uprooted. And I find it so interesting that even in the midst of adverse circumstances, God's promise is starting to unfold. He had said, I want you to go. And then circumstances emerge that are desperate, that prompt him, make him, invite him to step out. And in my own life, I feel this. There are times where the Lord will say, I want to move you out. I want you to get moving. I want you to take a step of faith. And then it takes sometimes some adversity for me to actually take that step. Otherwise, it just sits in the back burner and we think, well, one day, one day I'll take a step. One day I'll be courageous. One day I'll I'll follow what, what I felt like the Lord called me. Uh, the famine actually got Abram and Sarai moving. But it's tough. There's anxiety about not having kids. There's anxiety about food. And then Abram and his wife uh, step into this new land, and Abram is now anxious because his wife is physically attractive, and he's afraid that her beauty is going to get him killed. And so what we see right now is that Abram, who is moving toward, he's on a collision course with God's plan, is starting to manifest self-preservation, fear, insecurity. I mean, y'all, he literally says to his wife, I want things to go well for me, so I'm going to put you in a really hard situation. He says, say you're my sister, not my wife. And these are appalling words in the Bible. Y'all, one of the things I love about our Bibles is how honest and real it is. If this were a propaganda book, stories like this would not be in it. I mean, we see... Abram, who becomes Abraham, the father of many nations, the, the, the lineage from which uh, our Savior comes, the blessing that extends to the whole world, we just see him here throwing his wife under the bus. He is not behaving with courage. He's not behaving like someone should behave, like we would assume someone would behave who is moving toward the promise of God. He is acting in fear. He is acting out of self-preservation. And I just want you to be very careful, be very aware when you begin to behave um, and act out of a place of self-preservation, protecting yourself at all costs. And Lord knows I've been there. I know you have too. Uh, all of us at one point or another have allowed fear and insecurity get the better of us. And we do and say really unhelpful and hurtful things. I've done that with people I care about. And I know you have too. 
the reality in stories like this is that you're not alone in your sin. You're not alone in uh, those subconscious acts of subversion where we are truly undermining the purposes of God while trying to protect ourselves. That's exactly what Abram does. He and his wife end up in a place and his wife ends up being taken into Pharaoh's house as a, as a spouse, as one of his harem. Lord have mercy. And then we see Pharaoh be afflicted with judgment. Plagues and difficulty come because Pharaoh's um, doing something wrong and he doesn't even know that he's doing something wrong. And he finds out about Sarai and Abraham and he becomes really angry. He sends them away. It could have been a lot worse. He could have killed them both, but he sends them away because God has made a promise. So even in the brokenness, even in the the twisty path, even in the places where Abram is like a piece of bent wood, he's He's, he's sinful in this space. God is still moving him toward the fulfillment of a promise. And I just want to say to you that some version of this, now hear me, there are big spaces in our Bible where things happen like the story of Abram becoming Abraham that is a non-repeatable event in Jewish and human history. Abraham is Abraham. You're not Abraham. And yet, on another level, when we read our Bibles, we're meant to find our lives in these stories. So while Abraham is Abraham and you're not, there is another sense in which we can find our own story in these stories of the patriarchs and the matriarchs in the Bible. So in this instance, I just want to invite you to look at your life. Where is God making promises to you? And where are those promises seemingly under threat through circumstances that are not within your control, right? The famine was not. Abram didn't create the famine. So there were circumstances beyond his control. And then at the same time, there were circumstances that were made worse because of Abram acting in fear, self-preservation, and insecurity. I think it's important for us to recognize that God makes promises, then hard things happen, Sometimes hard things happen and we make them worse through our own self-preservation and sin. And yet, the promises of God persist. God is still moving Abram down a road. Later on this week, we're going to look at Genesis 15 where God comes back to Abram after his failure and reaffirms his promise. And then he's going to mess it up again in Genesis 16. After that, we're going to look at the birth of Ishmael. And then in 17 and 18, we're going to look at God affirm the promise again. So all of this, I believe, and, and candidly, y'all, one of the main reasons why I felt prompted by the Lord to do this study in Genesis is just to simply say this. This story invites you to see that the promise of God in your life is durable. It may not look like it right now. Things may be a mess right now. You may have made things a mess. And yet God's promise persists. He doesn't give up on us when we act in ways that are less than good. He doesn't give up on us when famines come that really have nothing to do with us. The promise of God persists. And so where in your life are you in difficulty? Where is there some metaphorical famine that you didn't create? You didn't ask for it. And yet, boy, it's scary. Where are you acting in spaces of self-preservation? Where are you tempted to make things worse? Where Maybe where have you made things worse? 
See, I think looking honestly at our lives and agreeing and seeing reality and agreeing with God and reality in the places where we maybe have acted like Abram acted, where we have taken the cowardly road or the uh, fear insecurity road. It doesn't change God's promise, but he does want us to be able to acknowledge those things. He wants us to be able to name the places where we're making things harder than they need to be. So in all of that, in all the mess, the promise persists. And I believe that for you and me, we need to hear God say, I have a plan for you. Things may not be going well right now. Things may not look like you want them to look. You may have made things worse than they need to be, and yet the promise of God persists. Father, I pray for my friends. And I ask, Lord, that you would keep us as we sit in this story. I pray that specifically for the next four weeks that you would help us here hold a very powerful story about the durability of your promise and the fickle, fragile nature of people just like us. God, we thank you that your promise is not subverted by our own weakness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you soon.